when I look at you and you look at me, I wonder what wonderful things you will be. When you were too small to tell me hello, I knew you were someone I wanted to know. For all of your tininess couldn't disguise a heart so enormous and wild and wise. Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a new podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Turn the pages with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they try to understand the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. So, Nick, uh, what did you find uh, to be the most wonderful things about the most about the wonderful things you will be? Mm. <laughs> and also, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that that struck me about this book actually was the illustrations. Um, like they are just such. I, I mean, first of all, they they match the sort of the tone and the sentiment I feel like of the book very very well like the 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 quality of the illustration really really matches um yeah very and, on brand yeah right on brand. there you go it's more concise <laughs> um and then they, they have this great little in the what's the there's probably a technical term for this the when you first open the book the like behind the first flap like it's not actually a first page yet but it's just the uh there's all these um, drawings of very different kind of quirky babies dressed in different things and with different hair colors and all these different uh, right and that like right away my daughters didn't want to go onto the first page they just wanted to like look at and, and point out and comment on all the different little babies um, on that that first kind of inner flap of the book um, so that so interestingly like the book did its so the, the title of the book is the wonderful things you will be and it's sort of about um, parents thinking about their children, their very young children and sort of being in awe of and imagining all the, the wonderful possibilities that lay in store for their, for their kids. Um, and I think it's really cool that right off the bat, like my kids got really intrigued by all the different possibilities of, uh, babies right in that first page there. Um, so I, I thought that was funny. Did you, did you guys have a similar experience? Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to, um, I mean, Jack, Jack was, he wasn't as, uh, enamored of the front flaps. Um, but I mean, he was, he definitely liked the range of the kids and the variety of activities. And there's just, there's a lot there to be excited about. I feel like if, if you're a, if you're a kid, it's a very, uh, accessible book in that way, just inviting, you know, just the, there's something for everybody that the, 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 the tones of the book are very, uh, approachable and yeah. So, I mean, he, 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 he didn't, he, he was definitely ready to press on and explore all the different, you know, wonderful things that the kids do, but yeah, he, right. he, he liked it too. I think too, this is the first book we've done for the podcast that is for a really young age, right? Like, I don't think it says on the book, but what would you say the, you know, if you were the publisher of this, what age range would you put on this book? Um, I feel like, yeah, it can be when you're first, I mean, is infant. I mean, you can, you can read this, you know, from, right. from the, from the get go. I, I mean, I don't know. I think good night moon, you can read to a, That's a true. It's, right. it's got that soothing rhythm and, but yeah. And, and, and 
I mean, I don't know how advanced Pat the Bunny is. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's true. Yeah. So it probably falls in the category of Pat the Bunny. But definitely, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, just in terms of uh, the the tone of it, you know, it's, uh, and it's, and it's, and and you can tell because, you know, some of the other books, the the Seuss books, for example, they're meant to be books that that kids, how kids teach themselves to read. To read, yeah. And this one is, it's the parent reading to the kids. So it's, it's set up to be the parent is the one addressing the child, which is a really lovely thing, right? Yeah, so, that was, that was definitely one of my favorite parts of this book and fairly unique, I think, to at least a lot of the books I've read so far to my kids is that it's the, the text basically, um, <laughs> force is kind of a strong word, but it forces the, the reader and that presumably the, the parent or caregiver to speak directly to their kids. Um, so literally the first lines, when I look at you and you look at me, I wonder what wonderful things you will be. So it, it encourages the parent to say this, frankly, kind of wonderful thing directly to their kid um, and for their kid to, to hear that. And I just think that's, maybe that seems like an obvious thing, but I think that's so powerful, like in a lot of ways for a, a parent to directly tell their kids, even if it's a young kid who can't really understand them, um, I'm really excited about and wondering what sorts of wonderful things you'll become. Like I, I got to imagine on a pretty core psychological or emotional level, that's a pretty powerful thing for a kid to hear from, from their parents. And an important thing to make time for. So we, we, we've talked a little bit about how, uh, books are a nice part of a bedtime ritual because it's ensuring that there's this parent child interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, you know, if, if you, once you ritualize it, then it's saying, well, I may be busy or we may be doing, you know, getting clean or, or, you know, get, make, making sure you're fed or doing these, all these other activities, but we're going to make time for this deliberate interaction. And it's nice that if in that, if you're sort of institutionalized and also speaking, you know, love explicitly, you know, into your, into your child's life, I think that's, and then there's, there's something to be said for that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And too, that it's, I, I think as, I mean, I definitely notice um, in my interactions with, with my daughters there, I mean, I think it's just an inevitable part of parenting. You're, you're trying to, to some extent, teach your kids to be a certain way. So you're, you're teaching them how to speak politely and how to, what to do specifically when you take out your toys in terms of putting them away and um, so you're, you're telling them all these definitive things that they need to do and need to be, um, which again is fine, but I think it's, it's really nice. It, it feels good to have the counterpoint, um, which this book really expresses. And that is like, there's just multitudes of possibilities, like, like options are endless and that like open-endedness of possibility, like communicating that to your kid, I got to imagine as a kid, that probably feels good because they're being told all these very specific things they need to do and be all day long. So that I got to imagine that's refreshing as a kid. Oh yeah. Well, so, and the other thing is, so there's a couple, so there's some of the things that you will be, they are kind of professionally directed, you know, maybe this person is going to be a gardener or a doctor or a a pilot, something like that. And some of them are, are sort of virtues. Are you going to be kind and, um, you know, like wild, wise, wild and wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, um, just standing up for the good. That's not, 
really a profession. I mean, unless you're a, a superhero, that's and that's like <laughs> your, your job description. Not that stand up for good isn't a part of a lot of jobs, you know, but it's not. Right. You know, it's like stand a rapper for good is not. Like, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to find that you know in LinkedIn or you know, right. like job coaches or. And then there, there are some in-between ones, too, like not only sort of aspirational virtues and specific professions, but also sort of like activities, like or play a song only you know how to play or tell a story only you know. Um, so that's a cool kind of like range there that it's I, I don't know how you would uh, articulate that the range from kind of specific virtues to activities to professions. Um but that, I, I think that's kind of a neat, a neat thing that the book lays out there. Now, so do you like, so I was trying to think, um, I haven't, I don't really know if, if Jack knows, like if Jack has really thought about growing up yet. Um, and so he, he it's definitely plenty of, plenty of time for that. <laughs> right. No, no, sure. But I mean, in, in terms like he knows that, uh, that I work. Right. But I, I don't really know if he knows that when he grows up, he'll have it, you know, will he have a job or a profession or what it is specifically that I do. Um, you know, so when he, he, he would, he might, he, he can definitely, he loves to sort of, uh, like he has an active imagination and he loves to, you know, incorporate what he learns from books. So he might say, I'm flying a plane, but that doesn't mean he's thinking I want to be a pilot. You know what I'm saying? Right. So does, do your daughter, I mean, do they have a sense for, for what you do <laughs> or, or for, or for what it means to be an adult. Have um, they asked, has Elena asked any of those questions yet? So they both, um, Bia is almost two and Elena's three and a half. Um, so they, they both know that dad leaves and go to, goes to his office to work, um, <laughs> more days than not throughout the week. I think that's about it. They've been to my office a couple times. Um, so they know that I work and they know that I have an office. Um, but they're, I think they're other than that. I don't think there's much to it. I, I was actually talking to my daughter the other day. We were in the car and we were driving and somehow my work came up. And so I asked her like, do, do you know, do you know what I do when I go to my office? Um, <laughs> to which she followed up with. And I, I, I love this. She said, um, <laughs> you do your podcasts. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently in my daughter's eyes, I'm a professional podcaster, Yeah, well. um, which is pretty great, actually. I, yeah, no. So no, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think she really has any, um, any idea of career or jobs or prof- it's, it's, it's more abstract. It's the reason I'm not home during the day on the weekdays. Do you, do you remember for yourself when you started thinking about, about that? I mean, I, I definitely remember sort of playing pretend or an acting like, you know, I want to, uh, you know, lead armies or, or sail ships or, or do mm-hmm. things, you know, I, but, and when that became, you know, I've, I've got to start thinking about what I want to do for, I mean, cause the, and, the, and maybe like, and sometimes it, it's kind of nice not to have the pressure to, to boil down just say, I want to be a, a wild and wise person. Right. And that's, that's something you can continue to work for, you know, no matter what, uh, sort of shifting careers you have, you can, you can <laughs> right. stick to that kind of, you know, vocation or, or inner kind of, uh, vocational <laughs> identity, you know, but, uh, for all of your tininess couldn't disguise a heart so enormous and wild and wise. This is the first time there's ever been you. 
So I wonder what wonderful things you will do. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. My, I remember from a, at a really young age, I remember my dad coming home from work and being my, so my dad was a, when I was really young was an attorney. Um, and so he had kind of a standard, fairly standard, um, kind of nine to five job and he would come home like around and, and I, I feel like I remember that. Um, but then he, he sort of stopped practicing law and got into uh, business generally. Um, but he was sort of always starting and, and, um, ending new businesses. And he was, so I, I learned before I even knew what it meant. I learned the word entrepreneur um, <laughs> and it was just a constant sort of, uh, struggle of how do I describe when people ask, you know, well, you know, what does your dad do? Um, I, I sometimes I would try and explain the various businesses that he was involved in. And then sometimes I would just say that he was an entrepreneur, but that was weird because I didn't really know what that meant. That was just my term for, that was what I, what I answered. So I don't really think it was until, maybe now that I think about it kind of surprisingly late that I considered actual careers. Like it was probably in high school um, at some point when it, it sort of dawned on me that like, Oh yeah, I guess adults have to do something to make money and get by. Um, I don't, what about you? What, what I'm, you? I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe it was, I mean, my, I can remember kids for some reason I can remember in the neighborhood, like kids, uh, parents, what they did because, mm. In yeah. some ways, like you know that your dad, he goes to work, but he maybe he does a lot of things in your life. Whereas, right. like if so, if you say, "What is your dad?" He's like, "Oh, well, he helped me fix this train set," or he, you know, he, like, yeah. he, there's a lot of things that he does, you know, that, that aren't necessarily the his nine to five job. But kids are, I, I feel like, are trained to say, you know, you're trained to ask. How, I mean, how early is career day? So is that when Ooh. do people? I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't feel like I ever got went on. I, I don't. Th I don't think I've ever. Anyway, <laughs> but 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 I knew that. Like I had my next door neighbor. Uh, their their dad was an architect, and I knew that because yeah. he had like models. He had little like balsa wood models of houses and things in their house, and so that was an easy way. And then down the, um, uh, my other good friend down the street, his father worked with pool supplies, and I knew that because his truck was always full of like pipes and oh, gotcha. like pool supplies. You know? right. So, so it was nice that there was a, uh, a tangible, you know, uh, evidence of what, of what they were doing. And my dad for a while, when I was really young, he was working with, uh, like testing for asbestos. Oh, and, and that's just, that's a hard, <laughs> like air, air quality testing. That's a harder thing to sort right. of explain. And you don't really want the tangible evidence of that to be, to be around for, for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know do you do you think this book is well so, so one bigger question i have is um who's the audience for this book um so it's it's very deliberately written like it's a younger kids book in the sense that all the you know it's babies are prominent and it's there's lots of toddlers and um there are some older kids too um but it, to me, it feels like in the best sense of the, of the term, it feels like a Pixar movie to me, which is that it is uh, certainly entertaining for kids, but there's a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudging to parents at the same time. And that maybe you have this kind of suspicion that maybe it's actually primarily for parents more than kids. Um, do you agree, disagree? What do you think? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it is. I mean, because it, the way it's written where it's, you know, it assumes that a parent is reading this. So it's one of those things where it feels like it's also gently reminding parents to see these possibilities in their children. And so for them, it is designed. I mean, it also has this kind of weird uh, Wes Anderson aesthetic. Like in, in a lot of his movies, like Moonrise Kingdom and some of these other ones, the uh, Rushmore, the kids are very, um, uh, they're in, in the in kind of the, there's a pageantry to, 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 to their activity that is very adult. Yeah. You know, the, and it gets, it's, they're, it's always these kind of precocious kids who are dealing with things, but it, it, they, who do with real emotional issues. And then they, in some ways they respond by being adult about it, but it's the way they're adult is kind of a form of play, uh-huh. you know, so, so in Rushmore, he has all these clubs and hobbies and he's running things, but they're not really adult things, you know, but they, but they, but it's kind of a, a faux adult level of responsibility and same Moonrise Kingdom. They, they run away, but they've, you know, they, they've packed all their luggage, but the luggage is a bunch of records and books and <laughs> it's kind of impractical, but, but also they're like, you know, they're gutting creatures and eating them. And, you know, so there's, there's this, they're, they're sort of very, and not like, they're very seriously playing at being adults. Like, and, and this has kind of the, I mean, even some of the, the, the color palette and the way it's framed, I mean, there's it, kind of a Wes Anderson feel to it, but it's the same, the same kind of thing where it's, you know, the kids, I mean, they've got real shovels and like they're, they're doing the gardening and I mean, they're, you know, the, 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 uh, the band, like the, the microphone is plugged in when they're in the band. So, so it's, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing these, it's not like they have toy versions of whatever it is. They're doing these things for real, but there is this kind of blurring of, of, you know, whether it's at play or how serious it is. Does, does, does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's Wes Anderson in a book. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just interesting to kind of untangle, like, what's this book about? You know, is it about right. kids growing up into many different possibilities? Or is it about um, parents kind of reminding themselves that kids have sort of boundless opportunity in well, front I mean, of them and being... Well, I mean, I think the good news is that it can be both. Both, right. And that and that also there's not this uh because th- that's one of the beauties of growing up is that it's not this sharp divide like you know you all of a sudden you're 18 years old and you vote and you get a job or you know some something <laughs> like that that you like you practice these things and you learn about them and and that there's you know as we said being uh, wild and wise that's not a that's an that's an ongoing thing so it's this kind of gradual curve and that you get a chance to sort of explore these different possibilities and you can be more than one thing and and try things out and be entrepreneurial. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can, you, you can kind of test boundaries and that there's this, that there's a kind of a a sense of excitement and wonder about that. Yeah. I like too, that the, um, on a lot of the, the pages, the illustrations, there are a, a mixture of age ranges of kids. So it's often really little kids and more kind of adolescent e kids interacting together and that, that that strikes me as um not unique but more more the exception rather than the rule with kids books usually they're kind of aimed at and contain kids of a specific uh age range but it's it's kind of fun to see um yeah different age kids interacting together but then also there are there are sort of not protagonists aren't the right word but there there are characters who show up in in various vignettes throughout the book um 
but they're not all on the same page. And, and so there's just a lot of diversity within uh, being a kid, I guess, right. in the pages yeah, yeah. of the book. Yeah, and I feel like in some ways the Richard Scarry books have trained me to look for like patterns and, you know, are these – are, are, are the same kids on every page or when, whenever I saw that there was that band of mice underneath the car on, in the scene with the, with the, the missing teeth, are the, do these mice appear elsewhere or are they mimicking the activities into just to see how, you know, it, I think Richard Scarry and then also the, some of the other books we've done and talking to you just that there's, there's a, how fun it is to identify elements and that sort of pattern recognition is an important part of, of, of storytelling and, and picture books and things like that. I mean, pattern pattern recognition is an important part of text narratives, but with with images, in some ways, it's it's more explicit to be able to do that. So that that's a that's a great thing in this book too. Yeah, and the the idea of kind of texture and layers in books, and we talked about that before, but it's it's fun. It's one of my favorite things when I reread books with my kids to see them read it in different ways, you know, whether it's kind of following the narrative initially or doing sort of the Richard Scarry kind of treasure hunt looking for gold bug thing or focusing more on the scene or the, the kids and the protect the characters themselves. Um, and so and, I think, for, go ahead. I was gonna say, and that's something that, that's kind of, it's both for the parents and the kids too, because for the parents, you know, uh, you read the same books over and over again. So it's nice that there's something that it's in some ways it's different each time or there's more you can look at, you know, I, I feel like for kids, I mean, maybe what, when, what's going on, are they, you know, they're coming at it with more experience and, and, but I feel like you could literally just recite sometimes the same two or three lines to kids over and over and over again. And they, they love that like repetition. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So right. they're, they're not as, I think it's good for them to have different things to find and to kind of expand their horizons, but they're not as concerned with variety sometimes as, uh, I think, I think it, they, they absorb it, but they don't necessarily require it in the same way. Yeah. Maybe, but, 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 but right. But, but adults, I think otherwise it's just like, Oh my gosh, I've, I've read this 50,000 <laughs> times, but the fact there are little details and just like in, in good night moon, I mean, one of the, the, the part where the, the kid is reading to the other kids and the, the, the book that he's holding is dream animals, which I think oh, is yeah. another book by Emily Winfield Martin. Okay. So, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's little, there's little clues and things. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, there, there's, I, I feel like that's something that adults might enjoy the referential nature of more than kids. Like, Oh, like here's, here's the author put in, putting herself in the story. <laughs> you know? Do you ever have that experience where, um, you may have read a book many, many times to your kids, but when you either read it yourself without the kids there or when, um, like Chelsea's reading it and you're sort of watching, I'm always surprised at how much of the visual part of a book I miss because I'm so, me visually, I'm so focused on the text and, and I, like I really like to, to, I like the performative aspect of reading it well. So my vision is like very tunnel vision on the part of the page where the text is. So it's, it's kind of a fun, I'm amazing. I'm amazed how much I miss visually because I'm so focused on the text and reading. Oh, I do the same thing. And then also the timing too. Um, you know, I, sometimes when I'm just following the text, I'm not as carefully gauging how invested Jack is on that particular page. Cause so I've gotten to the end of the text and it's time to go to the next, you know, we're just we're, time to go to the next page and read the next part of the story. Whereas for him, he, he might find one page five times as fascinating as another one. 
And so he, just because, I mean, for him, you know, he, and he doesn't always know that I'm reading text or that I'm just narrating objects that I see there. So for, for you know, for him, it's not weighted in the same way. And, and so he, I, I flip the page and he thinks, what the heck, man? <laughs> this is just starting to get good. I was did, just. Does he call you out on that? Will he say like, slow down or no, 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 I'm still looking. Or does he. Um, sometimes, sometimes he'll, well, sometimes as I'm about to turn the page, he'll catch sight of something and like point it out or like, right. what, what's that? And then other times the, the, the reverse is true. Also, sometimes I'll want to read all the text on a page and he'll be like, no, we're obviously yeah, yeah, done yeah. with this, this is a gar- garbage page. Let's get onto the one with the rabbits or the lion. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm always surprised that my, my girls will kind of interrupt me for various reasons, but again, that is more the exception. Thinking about it, it's kind of amazing how patient they are with the discrepancy between my experience of reading the book to them and what I imagine their experience of being read to is like the, I'm sure I blow through pages way too fast because to me, the, like the rhythm of the text is more important and they would probably want to spend more time visually, but it's, it's kind of amazing that they're, they just kind of hang tight and go with the flow. And like, I think that's really cool. (laughs) So another question I want, so how, uh, how does, do you feel like, um, you can see how books are affecting your children, like in a tangible way? So some ways like I can tell that books have affected Jack just because he has a much larger zoological vocabulary <laughs> you know, and he just knows all these animals that he's never seen, or maybe he saw them in the zoo or, but he, and, and they, he talks about them and, 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 and so clearly, you know, and, and, and then he, when he's playing, if he's playing with toys that don't have all the different things he's seen in books, he'll make one thing, another thing, you know? So I know that he's trying to incorporate, incorporate them into his uh, imaginative world. But, um, do you like, has Elena ever discussed something that wanted to talk about something that, that happened in a book? Or do you see her, you know, acting out, you know, pretending to, after you read this book, she pretends to be in a rock band or she wants to take care of her stuffed animals or. Yeah. So what, one of my favorite, um, realizations, I guess, being a parent and, um, reading a lot of bedtime stories is how, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think kids books obviously affect kids on a lot of levels. One of my favorite though, is how, uh, how do I describe this? Basically children's book, inside jokes that come up like in the course of life oh totally yeah so like that's what that's one of the best things about parenting in general oh it's (laughs) so cool like we have all these like family inside jokes based on uh children's stories so we just read that we've been reading this book called um the book with no pictures which is a a book written by bj novak the ryan from the office he wrote a children's book it's great and it just has all these really absurd words and sounds and um at the at the end, there's this. The, the parent has to shout out the the word "badungi face," um, so spontaneously, uh, um, Elena on multiple occasions has just called me a badungi face um, out of the middle of nowhere. Does <laughs> or, the parent have to like so? Once you know, to what degree are parents being forced? You know, by, like, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure in that book, yeah. <laughs> um, or the uh, the. From caps for sale, you sure. know, like the the monkeys kind of doing that. So it's really cool to see um, kids internalize various aspects of the book, but then also you get to see that they're being internalized because they'll come out like in the course of 
you know, just while we're eating lunch or something. Um, and then we'll all kind of laugh and, and enjoy the book on multiple. We enjoyed it while we were reading it, but then the book, like, and it sounds kind of hokey, but it becomes a part of our like family life. No, I think, which, I, I which mean, is awesome. I that think. does sound hokey, but I think that's, I think that's <laughs> correct. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most. What about you guys? Do you, yeah, I mean, other than Jack's vast zoological knowledge, that, that's right. Otherwise, he knows. No, he he picks up on things, and I can tell. You know, uh, in, in some ways, it, it's almost the opposite because I can tell sometimes when he's more invested in books, when he's learned about something in the outside world. So it's it's clear that he's taken like the, the reverse. He's he's taken the 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 routines of his daily life and he's bringing them into the book, you know? Oh. So, so now he, he cares more about things or he's, he really loves a lot of times he loves to uh, map friends and family members onto, uh, you know, so he'll say, Oh, that's daddy or that's mommy or that's my friend Peter or that's so-and-so. And then he, he brings those relationships back into the book, you know, and it, and it, and it, and, and they're not uh, random, you know, it, it, you can tell that he's like, that there's a, 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 a back and forth, you know, in, and what they're doing. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and, and, and reading it and kind of learning about the world. So, um, I guess one other thing I want to say b b before I forget is also to thank. So this is a, one of the fun things about this is it's a more recent book than we've done. And it's also one that I never would have encountered if it hadn't been for, uh, treehouse books. We, you know, we reached out and asked, a lot of children's bookstores for recommendations. And this was one of theirs. Emily Winfield Martin is a, a Portland based writer and illustrator. And so Treehouse Books in Oregon is the one that uh, sent this recommendation our way. So I'm really grateful because I think it, it is a lovely thing. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Thousand and One Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at a thousand and one goodnights.com. That's one zero zero one goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.